one. So, hey, uh, Kim Dang, welcome to the show. And uh, did I pronounce that right, Kim Dang? Yes, perfect. Okay, awesome, <laughs> awesome. So, so Kim, you're a freelance, freelance film producer in the uh, New York area, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, great. And uh, so if you don't mind, give us a little introduction of who you are, what you do, what you've been up to recently. I am a Swiss film producer, freelance film producer or assistant to film producers um, based in New York City. I am of Vietnamese heritage, but um, I work mostly on American film and TV productions. Okay. So, yeah, that's, so, that's what I've been doing. Okay, so uh, how, how have you been impacted? Um, what, you know, what are some projects that you've been trying to pull off in, these la in the last you know, three to six months, I guess? So one thing that we managed to finish when it comes to shooting, um, that was a little short film I produced uh, with a Swiss filmmaker who is based in New York as well. It's called Esther in Wonderland, and she's now in Switzerland. She got stranded there um, because of the closed borders. And we're doing a post-production in Greece remotely. These are my friends. It's an amazing Greek post house called DCS, or Digital Cinema Services. Um, they did, for example, The Lobster. They're really good friends with Yagos Lantimos. So, um, that's what we're doing and navigating. And it's easier than I thought because the Greek post has, they're used to work remotely. So, um, and I've worked with them before, we know each other. And so the coordination is a little bit easier than I thought it would be. Um, luckily we finished the shoot way before the yeah. lockdown. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I don't know what we would do. We're almost picture locked. Um, so this is kind of slowly going. Of course, everyone is responding in a less timely manner, including me. Um, but, you know, it's going. And then I was on a HBO miniseries. Um, I, on that one, I'm the assistant to the line producer, who is my friend as well. Mm -hmm. um, we worked together on the last big project called I Know This Much Is True um, that just aired on HBO a couple of weeks ago. So we were in prep for another show with um, David Mondell as creator and director. He created Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm mm -hmm. and um, uh, Veep. So that was an exciting thing to be on, but we were in prep when the lockdown came. So we're all on hold right now. From time to time, I get some new script versions um, or help setting up a meeting because all of these union conversations between HBO and the producers and um, Local 52 and all the unions. So that's what I'm doing, but honestly, I don't have much to do otherwise. Yeah. So I'm reading scripts, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how else we can work in these times. So I was talking to a lot of people around the world. I, since I'm Swiss and I'm also very familiar with um, European, the European film world, and I have a lot of friends in Europe, but also Asia. So 
I've been talking to them and see how does it work at a moment in Greece, for example, how does it work in Italy? How does it work in Switzerland? And it seems like for a skeleton crew, a lot of productions are back on. I mean, here in the US, a lot of skeleton crews are back on as well, um, but only for commercials, mm-hmm. which is non-union and that's a little bit easier to navigate. Um, but yes, so I'm kind of trying to get an understanding what everyone else is doing in the world to see yeah. what, um, where I want to stand and what I can do in this time. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's tricky trying to find, uh, figure out the production hacks and figure out, you know, yeah. a work a workaround. You know, maybe yeah. something's teleworking or, or how to how to minimize your cast and crew so that you have that, you know, that safe social distancing and that, and, and those, all those safety measures met and the smaller the cast, the smaller the crew, the more safer, you know, the set's going to be. Yes. And yeah, go ahead. But then again, you know, there are some productions that you can't keep it concise. You can't keep it, um, as a skeleton crew, like yeah. imagine mm-hmm. a political TV show um, with a scene in front of the White House with a lot of audience background um, demonstrators. Yeah. Like, how do you want to shoot something like that? So I was talking, interestingly, I was talking to some Chinese producers the other day who um, are a little bit more um, tech uh enthusiast mm-hmm. <laughs> so they were talking about this um these led uh techniques where you use lumen and i i probably don't even know what i'm talking about but it's basically the same technique that um they used in skywalker studios for star wars where you have like 360 degree screens where you basically go with the second unit and scan the environment or the background even or mm-hmm. you know and and then you put it on those screens and then you have just a few main actors and maybe a few backgrounds right there mm-hmm. in the studio on stage that seems to be pretty controllable but then there's this whole tech world that seems very crazy and very few of us work like this, mm-hmm. but maybe that's the way, you know, that's an upper option to go. Sure. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with maybe rewrites, you know, uh, like you said, a political drama. Absolutely. But you could change a lot of the scenes to say, instead of out in front of the White House with demonstrators, you've got the president and, you know, his cabinet, maybe just maybe just the president and two members of his cabinet you know, arguing or whatever. And it's, and it's all sound effects. It's all the screen, it's all the screaming outside and that, and that's all, you know, ADR, that's all Foley sound. That's all sound effects. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, using found footage, you can use news footage and kind of, you know, juxtapose, you know, the president maybe watching the news and you know how, you know how on CNN, it says at the bottom outside white house demonstrated, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But that could be footage, you know, bought courtesy of yeah. Reuters or, you know, and there's all these different little ways of working around. Yeah. Um, but then it also opens a whole entire branch of, um, of, of 
the filmmaking in a sense of, you know, all the database of footage, as you say, like, mm -hmm. you know, where to buy it. And also, um, it sounds, I mean, it sounds kind of futuristic, but also when it comes down to um, props, digital props that you put on a screen or in background or mm -hmm. um, like, yeah, all, all these things, like we've, we've, that's all from coming from the game industry. Gamers are really used to that. Oh, so, yeah. um, yeah, so the boyfriend of my sister, he's a huge gamer and um, he's also in IT. Mm -hmm. So I've talked to him and, and tried to make him make money with me. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. It's just, it's just, it seems like a joke to me because this is, in my eyes, this is so far from, you know, the filmmaking I'm used to, but taking a camera, like a couple of friends and go into the streets and steal shots. And I don't, or maybe that's <laughs> the way to go again, you know, after all the big productions, like that's his uniforms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And I think uh, I, I had a previous guest on that said, you know, we've, we've progressed 10 years in 10 weeks and this was, you know, some months ago. And so maybe it's been, you know, we progressed 20 years, we progressed 20 years in 20 weeks and the virtual conferences, uh, th that's one big, that's one big Avenue that I'm excelling at right now is teleconference, uh, virtual conferences, uh, um, virtual, virtual concerts, DJ, you know, DJs doing a lot of virtual stuff. Obviously, we're utilizing Zoom. We're utilizing Zoom and Google Meet here on the podcast. So, yeah. you know, setting, you know, doing a lot of podcasts and those sort of things and, 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 and kind of, uh, you know, just jumping into the whole virtual thing. And so, you know, soon it's going to be virtual reality. Virtual reality has been around for a while. And now that's just really kicking it off. And I think we're still going to need the human factor, we're going to need human voiceover artists, you know, we're going to need, we're going to need humans in front of the mm -hmm. green screen yeah. for, for that human performance, because uh, yeah. me and some colleagues were talking about, we're still waiting on that AI, completely produced AI yeah. movie with, with, with just AI uh, drawing up scenes, drawing up action, drawing up yeah. vehicles and, and the characters and the, and the yeah. acting. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's funny. It comes back. It also, Includes, for example, thinking about cartoons in a, you know, like maybe producing more cartoons or, yeah, AI. I don't know. It's it's interesting because before I became a film producer, I was a mathematician. That's mm -hmm. actually my my education. I used to be a professor, assistant professor at Yale for applied mathematics. Oh, wow. And the reason why I changed into film um, was I studied film science as well when I was at the university in Switzerland. Um, but I just recently, really full-time switched into film, or recently, I mean, a couple of years ago. And the reason why I made that switch was because I get such a kick of being on set with all those people, right? With mm -hmm. hundreds of people who everyone is doing their thing and somehow this whole project comes together and something amazing happens. And and then you see the product on TV or on, on in movie theaters. 
I just love being on set with all those people. And if after COVID, if we go back and this is not going to be the same, then I don't even know what I'm going to do next because this is, that was kind of the deal I made with myself, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. No, I, 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 no, go ahead. No, talking about AI and data, huge database and footage and doing it more in a technical way. Mm -hmm. It just, it just, yeah, gives me gives me an impression to be back in science and academia. And I maybe maybe I sh you know I I'm gonna roll with whatever comes, but it's. It's just not something that I expected to happen when I when I changed my career. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I, I do a lot of acting and I do a lot of uh, crew work and a lot of you know, assistant directing, directing, producing, mm -hmm. production coordinating and production manager and things of that nature and a lot of ca assistant camera work and camera work. Mm -hmm. And as and on top of that, you know, a lot of acting. I'm always playing a cop or a military role, and I, you're right. There's nothing beats just being on a different set in a different yeah. location and yeah. and getting dressed up, you know, in something different or just just being in a in a being in a random courthouse or at a random baseball field or some historical site. Or, yeah. you know, 50, you know, the 55th floor of some skyscraper shooting something, you know, dangerous yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's kind of the adrenaline you, you live for. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost, you know, it's not like a, it, it is the travel. There's, there's travel involved and there's uh, sightseeing and there's just meeting, you know, new people. Yeah. Interact, interacting with yeah. strange, strange new people. And, and when I say strange, I mean strange in a good way. Yeah. And just and just, you know, and, and just the networking in general is just, uh, you know, something mm -hmm. fun to do. But mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't agree with you more in the sense that, you know, that's that's why, you know, I left some of the jobs, some of the some of the TV and film. Well, the TV and news jobs, because I didn't want to be stuck in the same studio. I didn't want to be stuck behind a desk. That's why I went freelance is so that I was bouncing from set to set, from gig to gig. Mm -hmm. I've been a, I've been a freelancer for a little over 10 years now. And just and just even the uh, even the uncertainty of what the next gig is. And I've, yeah. and I've, been, I've been blessed to where, you know, I have a real I have a resume. Uh, I have a network to where I've I've stayed employed this whole time but it there is kind of like an adrenaline rush to you know being a gig worker to being a freelancer and just and just bouncing from absolutely. one next to it yes. yeah 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 absolutely i totally agree and i was thinking about um this whole travel thing you know because this is something i love so much i maybe maybe the travel will stay on because we need to be more flexible when it comes to where we can film, depending on where mm -hmm. it flares up again, right? Where the virus flares up again, we probably need to anticipate a couple of years to come that it will come back and then disappear again. And it comes in waves, um, depending on the location. It, it probably doesn't happen at the same time. Um, but what I think is just, yeah, we need to be flexible as of, you know, if Oklahoma is, for example, 
um, a hotspot right now? Can we do it maybe in Manhattan Valley or can we just move entirely to Europe, which is a lot of production companies are doing it right now that shift everything to Europe. Um, and that sense of travel will happen maybe more um, concentrated and for a longer period of time, you dislocate for a longer period of time instead of just hopping from one place to the other. Mm -hmm. um, but I hope that it will stay on. This, this would be a real bummer because this is what I kind of live for and this is my lifestyle. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I mean, it's it's un it is unfortunate that um, this hit so fast. Yeah, incredibly yeah. fast. And and it's only getting worse. And 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 on top of that, you know, we've had so much so much else going on in the country that has caused people. Um, and I think it's and I think it's great, but it's caused people to un unite. And and uh, and you know all, all the protests and, and all the and, and all the uh, all the gatherings, but it's unfortunate that the result of that, the downside of that, has been you know uh, uh, mutation after mutation, and the, and and you know the COVID is just getting worse and worse, and uh, and it's spreading faster, and the numbers are rising, and and so now we have to revert, and and my wife. Me and my wife have had have said numerous times mm -hmm. that you know whatever that they whatever they're predicting multiply it by one and a half. Yeah, and so um, yeah. I, actually, my sister is a medical doctor. She said they they are if you have a number of new infections, you as a doctor you kind of uh, multiply it by four. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because there are so many asymptotic people and. Mm -hmm. and yeah. That's so that's yeah. a good point. So that I mean, you know, as far as the whole quarantine and the whole, uh, you know, sheltering in place, maybe we just bump it up to multiplying it by two. You know, if they say, uh, you know, one more year of this, we're going to plan for two more years of it. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, that's that's um, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if they say two more, we're just going to plan for four. And and, and and if they're saying six, we're not going to plan for 12. They say if they say six, that's when we'll kind of like maybe ease back to one and a half. OK, if they're saying six, maybe nine or ten. No, but this is yeah. I mean, thinking about that, I totally agree that we need to be a little bit more realistic. I mean, already when they said in March that we might be back uh, working in June, like that's not going to happen. I mean, not knows, but, you know, you sometimes say things just to calm people down, but yeah. it's just not the right thing to do. And that, you know, because, because ultimately you, you have to tell the truth. And, um, but yeah, so planning ahead so many years, it, it gives me at least um, kind of, it forces me to really think broader. You know, it's not like, oh, how it will be on an American, on a U.S. production here on ground. But it forces me also to think, well, how is the rest of the world like dealing with it? Like, where else can we film? Like, do we have to shoot in the U.S., for example, for this production? And it's it's kind of making people think more global. I believe, yeah. mm -hmm. um, but then again, it's it's 
It's a very difficult time, honestly. Well, how would you say you've been impacted personally? Um, say again? How, you know, personally, uh, friends, family, you know, just, just you, you know, not, not professionally and not, not business-wise, not work-wise, but how, how have you been impacted you know, personally? Um, so my family is all right. Thank God. Um, even though my sister is a medical doctor, she lives in Switzerland. She works in Lausanne, which is one of the biggest hospitals um, in Switzerland. And it was pretty close to the Italian border. So they were swamped for a while. Um, my other sister, she's a chemist, um, but she can work from home and she teaches a little bit too. And so that can all happen by Zoom. And my parents, they're they're trying to stay as isolated as they can, like mm -hmm. hopefully a lot of older people. Um, of course, we all now here in New York, it was a while very scary. The numbers were very high. So obviously I know people who were in ICU, um, people who died, like thankfully not very close people to myself, but I have, of course, friends whose grandparents died, and you know, it's it's just like a wave of of bad news that happened for a while. Um, but personally, obviously, I never, I would have never wished for this situation to happen. But I just try to make the best out of it by staying in, uh, staying safe, reading a lot, watching a lot, um, films that I haven't been able to watch for a while. I write a lot. I catch up with my friends in Switzerland or around the world, with my family, with my friends of, per Zoom or by phone call. And I haven't been able to do that for a very long time. So that's kind of something beautiful. And um, meditation and you know like just try to stay stay calm and be ready for what's coming next yeah absolutely yeah. so you mentioned you've been you've been reading and watching a lot uh is there is there a is there a film or a series that stands out in your mind that really blew you away well i may maybe i'm a little bit biased but maybe not but i think um the show we did i know this much is true directed by derek cian friends got came up pretty pretty well and it's like i have friends texting me random friends i haven't heard from a while texting me how much the show impacted them or affected them and and I think I'm pretty proud of what we've done. Yeah. I hope okay. that Mark Ruffalo is getting an Emmy nomination. I know this much is true. Yes. Is that a show or a, or it's a, or it's a, a limited series. It's a show, limited. six episodes. It's based on Wally Lamb's book called I know this much is true. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what's that on Hulu, Netflix? It's on HBO. Oh, HBO. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. I know this much is true. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched uh, The Old Guard with uh, Oh, Charisse yeah. Theron. Me too. I watched that too. How did, what, what did and, you think? <laughs> incredible. I loved it. I loved it. And uh, I see Netflix is just scooping up all these different graphic novels and, and, and trying to, uh, you know, um, yeah. 
adapt all these graphic novels. And I, and I have to say, The Last Days of American Crime, had it been an hour shorter, that would have been good. But I that thought it was a bit, I, Yeah, it was, it, was two, it was a two and a half hour movie. And I thought it was just a bit too long, you know, a little, a little too much. But The Old Guard was just fantastic. You what have a you military mean? background, right? Was that, I do, yeah. Was, was that um, why you were so captivated by it? Yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, I, sure, yeah. absolutely. And I'm definitely interested in those sort of things. And I thought it was definitely a unique story. And I like how, you know, they're, they're just building a lot of female heroic characters, leads, heroic leads, mm -hmm. female heroic leads. And, and just, just the, uh, the progression of the, the story where I don't want, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much. But no, no, I watched it uh, but yeah. for the viewers. I yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much for the viewers, but you know, just, just, you know, the, the twist after twist after twist really, it wasn't too much. But it just, it, but it just built, it, uh, man, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, talk. I don't, I don't know what to say without spoiling it, but it just, it really uh, captivated me. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's that supernatural element to it. I was always a fan of Highlander. So I thought, um, you know, maybe they were uh, going to have some sort of tie in with, with the Highlander series, the Highlander movies. Are you familiar with those, the Highlanders? No, not really. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you should check them out. Wait, was that with, um, Who's playing the Highlander? Christopher, Christopher Lambert. Lambert. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Lambert. Yep. So yeah. he was he was in the first three or four movies. Then they did a series, and believe yeah. it or not, I think the series with Adrian Paul, you know, was was a had a much more you know fan following than the movies. Mm -hmm. But the, the the first the first movie and the whole and the series were fantastic. And I thought how they they played around with history and they kind of delved into like, you know, historical events and how it tied into, you know, the supernatural element of, of immortals. Yeah. But, but yeah, I thought, you know, the old guard just was just timed. Right. It was spaced. Right. It was, you know, just beautifully I, I acted. I have to admit, I thought it was very brutal. I had to stop it at some point. Oh yeah. That's so, it got so violent and I was um, kind of shocked by the violence, which is strange because obviously every one of us is so used to violence these days yeah. that I was like, yeah, this is really rough. Right <laughs> <now."> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. There were definitely some moments and I think they were able to get away with some of the violence directed towards the immortals, obviously, because they're not going to die. So they were able to maybe get a little bit ridiculous and a little and a little over the top, almost humorous in a way, because it's not like they're going to die from it. But um, yeah. uh, but I'll, I can agree with that. I think a lot of the action scenes, a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the gunplay and a lot of the action scenes and the way, you know, the teams, the whole, um, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued about how the films are working action films anyway these special ops black mm -hmm. ops delta force army you know type of uh, military films are trying uh, really getting a little bit more accurate with breaching rooms and tactic like a squad or a team going in and like tactically mm -hmm. clearing out a room of the bad guys and things of that nature and i thought this film did an amazing job and i especially liked it because there's a unique element to it. These, these immortals have been a team of mercenaries or a team of warriors for centuries, for millennia. And so they know how to work with each other so well that 
their whole tactical their their whole squad tactics were just incredible and i think they played off of this whole element that but yeah for me oh i definitely <laughs> i mean i i just enjoyed it and plus yeah. i love sci i love sci-fi i love action i love sci-fi you know it just hit the nail on the head for me especially like we were saying these are these are unique times they're kind of tough times and to just mm -hmm. watch something completely outside the norm that's why i've always been a fan yeah. of the marvel films I, I, on the sh on the show i talk about marvel and dc and comic books superhero stuff yeah. star wars and star trek it's an escape yeah. and i think i yeah. think projects like that are very important um and, like i love star wars so much um i think it's not even an escape i think it's a different way to view the world right it's mm -hmm. it's not even I mean, every movie is kind of a translation of reality and, yes. you know, in a certain way. Um, and Star Wars manages, has always managed to me to capture kind of this more mysterious um, angle of life. And maybe that's what fascinates you with the old guard as well, with you mentioned the immortals. And I... I totally agree. There's like something mystic, something, you know, outer worldly, but still like, aren't we just very mystic people? Like human beings are so weird in a way. And the way we deal with the crisis and everything, it has something very outer worldly. I mean, I'm going a little bit too much into philosophy and all of that, but Star That's Wars awesome. for me has always been a really good way whenever I felt frustrated or um, a little bit uh, desperate about the world, about sure. things that happened. Star Wars was always not even an escape, but a, a, a reminder of how I can look at the world as well. Absolutely, yeah. And um, it's it's fine if we go if we just delve off on onto this subject, but. <laughs> Oh, you know, can I say something about the old guard as well? I have to, I mean, yeah, it's, for me, it's like an action movie and it was very violent and I had to stop it. And I didn't know kind of what to do with it. But what I have to admit, I, after finishing the movie, I thought a lot about what would I do if I would live forever? You know, where would I, what kind of values would I, would, would I want to incorporate? Mm -hmm. What where do I, oh, what would I fight for? Sure. It's, it's, and that's kind of, because if you live forever, you have so much time to figure it out and like try different things, but we all don't have as much time. We're not immortal. So like, how can we make sure that we live in a way that is um, mirroring our values. Mm -hmm. So that was something that definitely got me thinking. Absolutely. And so what I'll do is I'll put out a spoiler alert. We can talk a little bit more about it. I'll put out a spoiler <laughs> for the for the viewers. If you if you don't want to get spoiled, you can mute it. You can turn it off. So you raise a great point about it. So what that so what that CIA guy had realized is that everything that they did, sa they saved one life, and by saving that one life, that person cured polio that person they stopped you know um they they decided to assassinate someone and had they not that assassinated this one person in the 1930s 1940s that person would have invented a nuclear bomb that that had that nuclear bomb been invented uh the whole world would have been decimated they, they every every act that they did kind of branched out 
into you know three or four more great things that other non-immortals did mm. and and so because you know this woman uh Charlize Theron she played uh Andromeda I think her name was and something like that um I call her Andy <laughs> so they called her Andy for short and uh that, that's amazing but yeah so she chose to fight for good with, with, with all her gifts all her power she could have chose to rule the, the planet with an mm -hmm. iron fist but she didn't choose that she chose to fight for good she chose to save lives she chose to to to, to uh uh defend the weak and to and to free slaves and to you know do this that and the other thing all in the name of, of good and what's good and right and it spread this goodness spread like a virus and every time something bad happened they they intervened and goodness spread and mm -hmm. uh you and, and so but back to touch upon um and, and also her team yeah. and, and and so they're all aware that they're the only immortals out there they're all kind of connected through through visions through dreams or whatever and so they're all aware that they're the only ones and they decided to team up and they all teamed up and they all banded to fight for good to fight for justice and 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 things of that nature and uh but to touch upon another thing like you said with star wars and ha and, and how it relates and uh to real life you know fiction um i get i get into a few debates about like is there you know is there a god is there a higher power are we at a are we at a are, are we at a higher level of consciousness than mm -hmm. most animals and things and and i think absolutely why would we care about music why would we care about art you know why do we um you know a lot of other animals have a, just a basic instinct of survival of you know protecting um offspring predator versus prey but there are things that we care about above and beyond mm -hmm the normal animal instincts you know why 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 are we moved by music why do we if there isn't a higher thing then how did we come then then how did we even come up with the idea of a higher thing whatever that higher plane of existence that mm -hmm. higher consciousness yeah. how did we even come up with the idea of it if it doesn't exist mm -hmm. right i mean i kind of like well, I'm obviously I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I, I wasn't quite happy with the last one, but um, but the idea of that there's a force that like there's an energy field that connects us all, right? Mm -hmm. It um and and that everything is basically energy. It's basically what a lot of quantum physicists are saying, and that's what I kind of believe in because it's also in line with um my scientific beliefs. So it's it, call it higher consciousness or not, but this is kind of also probably what you like with the old guard as well, that somehow we are all connected and somehow it is all connected. And um, and we are all parts of a higher of of something bigger than ourselves. And maybe we just represent a part of it. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe not. The, the whole we're, we're not incorporating probably the whole possibilities of this that what this world has to offer but um we are still kind of connected to one and another and that's kind of a beautiful beautiful way and probably a very healing way to see and look at the world because if you really stress the individuality of everyone 
then why would you, exactly, why would you care for something that goes beyond yourself or your family, right? Why would you care about music? Why would you care about art? Um, and that's kind of, there, there must be, if you care about beauty or harmony or, you know, the good or something that is beyond yourself, then you you have kind of a seed of belief in something higher than yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I think that's, that's the way to go because otherwise you don't wear masks, you don't <laughs> care for anything, you know, you don't really, you don't really care for one another's well-being um, and just, you just look out for yourself and who would we be then? Mm-hmm. Not more than animals. Probably. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, uh, so with that, with that in mind, what would you say is your next agenda? What's your next set of goals for the next six months, three months, six months, even the year, you know, considering, you know, maybe the floodgates, maybe, maybe the door is open, maybe the floodgates open and we're back to a semi mm. normal, but what's, what's on the agenda? Um, it's a really hard question because it's, everything is so unpredictable and the only way I can keep myself sane in a way is by acknowledging that and really roll with whatever happens, being okay with whatever happens. You know, if I'm an immigrant in this country, I'm not an American citizen, I have a green card. Um, So if Trump is getting reelected, for example, and um, restricts the access of green card holders to the market, job market, then that's what I have to deal with at that point, right? And I have to be okay with it, no matter how much I love New York and love living here and love the job market here and the people here, um, I will have to move at this, that point. So I'm kind of, this is a kind of very dark scenario I'm talking about, but it's it could be a very real scenario depending on what happens in November. Um, so it's hard to plan, you know, I can say, oh, I would love to work on a huge project coming up in the next half of year um, or going back to the HBO show. And I would love to work with all my friends again. Um, but then I, it's dependent on what's going to happen. Whatever, what I can do is really make sure that I know who I want to be despite of all the difficult scenarios. Um, how I what kind of friend I want to be, what kind of daughter, what kind of sister, what kind of um, person in the film industry, right? Um, And then by defining that and really thinking, reflecting about that, it probably doesn't matter anymore if I work in the US or work in Singapore or if I work in film or switch my career entirely again. Um, I think these are the values and these are the core the core things that one can define now and reflect upon now because now is the time we have all the time in the world. Um, 
And that's what I'm trying to do. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. It's something, you know, you really have to dig deep and really think about what you want to do. Um, but it has nothing to do with, oh, I want to buy this new coat or I want to have this job or I want to have this car. It, it's kind of deeper than that. It's yeah. who do you want to represent? No, what absolutely. do you want to stand for? Yeah. And I think, that, and again, so, you know, going way back when, 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 it, when we first got hit with this quarantine and mm -hmm. it was take advantage of this time, you know, mm -hmm. you, gotta, you look at the positive, not the negatives. I've got, I've got so much free time to spend my wife and my kid. I've got so much free time to get all the stuff done around the house. Now all the stuff's done around the house. Now we're kind of like doing, <laughs> yeah. doing, doing some special things around the house and yeah. the kid, kid's getting bigger and the kid's very familiar with us. And, you know, uh, I, and, and like you said, there were, there were a number of projects that you had already shot in the can. There were a number of passion projects that I had shot in the can. It was like, when am I going to find the time to edit? I'm always bouncing from this gig to that gig. Well, knocked them all out in a month. And now I'm, you know, finding ways of finding you know, new little, you know, intricate ways of pulling off these production hacks and hacks and kind of uh, you know, knocking out some out some little, some, a few more passion passion projects, projects. Kind of kind of finding finding alternate ways of ways to alternate ways of telling story story. And uh, you know, me and the wife, and the wife are constantly constantly in our relationship communicating and and and. and she might she might snap and I might I might snap and something and it's and it's not like it's not like well well I get it I gotta go to work I'll talk about this later it's like yeah we have this time to communicate we have time to 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 evaluate ourselves and work on the way that we treat each other so that when it is a busy world again and um and we're spending less time with each other yeah we'll be able to handle those situations. As you say, it's really a time to foster relationships, connections mm -hmm. with one another. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, and it's, all, and it's, we're in each other's faces. It's like, you know, work on this and evolve yeah. on that and progress this. And so that when we're back at that busy world and we're in and out the door, it's not snapping at each other. It's, mm -hmm. it's way more patience. It's way more, um, you know, kind of retraining ourselves to deal with something a different, better way. Yeah. So that when we're spending less time with each other, we're not stewing all day. You know, she's home and I'm at work or, or I'm home and she's at work and we're not, and we're not there with each other. And we're just, you know, stewing and just getting more and more pissed off. The more we think about that thing that happened, it's, yeah. we've already, we've already trained and, and like retrained and retrained and re-evolved ourselves. Yeah on how we deal with x y and z you know so yeah yeah, yeah so, how, so so with that being said what are your views on the new normal I mean, what 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 is maybe a vision what is you know something that we can look forward to or we should be in your eyes something we should look forward to or something we should be cautious of as far as what we should expect of this new normal i mean all right, there's a more probably pessimistic way how the world will be. I think, um, especially in the US, it's a really, really difficult moment at, at in this time with all the uprises and the virus and getting that under control, it will take a while, right? Um, 
I think there will be more requirements, how we open up the economy and um, all of that. I don't know what kind of rules the politicians uh, will come up with, but as we have seen after um, 9-11, you know, for example, the way we travel, this is all from after 9-11, like oh, the yeah. secrets and all the screenings oh, yeah. and stuff. And even though, for example, the liquid thing, it's not helpful at all. Like every chemist knows that, that you could, you know, it doesn't mean anything to screen all of that. However, once the rules are established, it's really difficult to rule. To, to roll back on them. So they will just stay in our everyday life. And I think the moment politicians come up with rules, like, well, the mask is one thing, but I'm sure there will be other things, how we eat at uh, restaurants or how we go on concerts and all of that. Um, once these rules are established, it's hard to roll back and it will change and alter our experience in our everyday life forever or for the many years to come. I would say, and I'm kind of cautious about that. And I'm, yeah, a little bit sad that we probably lose a lot of the way we used to live in the years to come. Then, but then um, the travel thing, I'm a little bit sad too, because I am very guilty of taking a plane for a weekend to Berlin or to Athens or go back for a week to Switzerland to see my parents. And it was horrible for the footprint of this world. But at the same time, I really enjoyed my jet set life. And that's definitely over for me, at least. And I think for a lot of other people as well, just because we can't afford it anymore. Um, it's really a hassle traveling, at least at the moment. And maybe people will still travel, but more in an old fashioned way. Um, like once you travel, you stay there maybe for a month or two, and then, you know, it's, it's gonna change. Um, so the new normal is, is kind of incorporating all of that and still make it a beautiful life, I, I hope. Way more organic, way more micro, Yes, very kind of micro, system. maybe more community-based, um, yep. you know, not like, I mean, I'm such a fan of small dinner parties, for example, I think that will mm -hmm. be something that people go back to more often instead of going to concerts or theaters, however, yeah, it would be, or small theaters maybe um, yeah. coming up again. Yeah, I, I think I, I and I think generally and yeah, you raise a good point there. I think generally what needs to be done as far as you know, sports, auditoriums, stadiums, airplane seatings, just all the seatings is every other row is just going to get taken you out. You know what? But I I just talked to a friend who traveled to Portugal, to Lisbon the other day, and he said it was the first plane out of New York after a while and every single seat was booked. So you were really close and you weren't allowed to remove your masks. Mm -hmm. So that was astonishing to me. I also thought that they would only book every second, uh, every second seat, which was not the case. No, I think they need to physically remove every um, other row. Mm -hmm. And then in the, in the, I think they physically need to remove every other row and then remove 
within the rows that they keep remove every other seat. So, so remove every, uh, remove every odd numbered row. And then within the even, and within the even numbered rows, remove every odd number seat. Mm. Now you've got your, now you've got your social distancing and then, yeah. and then you, then you can have a fully mm. booked plan because it's going to, there's going to be that space. It's going to, it's only, it's only going to be, I don't I think like 40% of your capacity that it once was but that's going to have to be the new normal all the stadiums all the auditoriums all the theaters mm -hmm. yeah. you know what to answer your question what the new normal would be maybe it's more back to quality remember for example well remember for example the time you know in the 60s 70s where everyone would smoke and then you would go on a plane and you had real silverware and like a napkin not like this mm -hmm. Plastic shit. Um, <laughs> and yeah. you know, it's it's like maybe maybe there's some appreciation to go back to the old school to the really quality. Like you don't do as much as we used to. Like you don't buy mm -hmm. clothes as you're used to now. So just just reducing everything to uh, what you need and what you really want. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, increase the quality of whatever you're doing. Like, for example, I just came back from a brunch with a friend and that was the first brunch for four months or maybe even more ever since the lockdown. And we were sitting outside and it was such a treat, you know, usually I'm like, oh, yes, that's another brunch in a weekend. But this this one was really special. And we were sitting way longer than usual. Um, the restaurants are nowadays like what i see you don't have you know you don't have to rush through your eating and then they want to want you to pay and leave right away it's just it's just more there's more space to experience things and maybe that's a good thing about the new normal absolutely yeah yeah well uh, any any last points any last points you want to uh, uh last bit of advice you want to put out to our viewers um last points um i think really i would i would love that you know people could reflect on their values more and what they stand for and hopefully when the country is opening up again that we come back um as a better self and with a better attitude um, and hopefully that will influence the way we live and we work and we interact with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Kim, do you have any, any socials you want to, any plugs, any links you want to put out there? Uh, no, actually not. But please watch I Know This Much Is True. It's such an awesome series. I think Derek C. and friends did an awesome job. And I'm just at awe how it, all worked out. Mark Ruffalo played um, a double role as a twin, and I think oh, wow. it's really worth watching. It's heavy, but it's worth watching. So I know this much is true. Mm -hmm. I know this much is true on HBO limited series. Mark Ruffalo. Yep. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll be sure to check it out. I'll find a way to check it out. Uh, probably borrow somebody's HBO pass or something like that. But uh, Kim, it was great. It was, it was great yeah. having you on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, a yeah. lot of great, a lot of great insights, a lot of new information. So I took a lot of notes. 
Um, so, so thanks again. And uh, my viewers, like, subscribe, share, comment, ring that bell for notifications, and check us out next time. Thank you.